Go For Side Effects is sponsored by Wild Branch Products. Wild Branch is a truly pure cannabis oil. They make CBD containing 0.00% THC and no carrier oils. Use Wild Branch oils and salves to calm, cool, and soothe your body, leaving you pain-free. I can tell you, using this product, I was able to go to Santa's Wonderland with my family. I put on a salve. I used the oils. I was able to walk for hours. I believe in this product 100%. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Use promo code GWI podcast for 15% off. Click the link below. Thank you. Welcome to Go For Side Effects. I'm your host, Kevin Simon, with my co-host, John. We have Sarah and Wade on the line. Today is going to be Project Veterans Helping Veterans. And so if you want to chime in, ask any questions, you can ask any one of us. We've all dealt with certain types. And Sarah, I'm going to let you kind of talk about, you know, the organization you belong to and what y'all do for veterans. And then we'll get diving right in with stuff. Well, thank you, Kevin, and thank you for allowing me to be on the show this evening. And I hope that we can do future shows because I think this is very valuable for our veteran family. But uh, the organization that I started is a charity of 501c3 called Operation Truth. We just recently changed the name to Vaccination Exposure Research because we believe that it encompasses more of what our mission is. And that mission is to bring awareness to chronic multi-symptom illness and how um, it is is caused by so many different toxic exposures. And one of those toxic exposures is vaccinations. And we need that medical research to determine just what vaccinations are causing the issues. Is it a multiple vaccinations given at the same time? Is it one particular type of vaccination or is it the adjuvant inside of the vaccinations themselves? So it's all about medical research and gaining that critical data so that we can move forward on how we tackle the issue. And that's what's causing the chronic multi-symptom illness in each one of our different category of toxic exposures. Yeah, exactly. And Wade, give a little bit of your background. Um, I was uh, served with the 82nd Airborne, uh, deployed, landed in country uh, August 20th, uh, arrived back home April 1st, obviously deployed up into Iraq. Um, countless inoculations prior to deployment, uh, anthrax and vaccination uh, prior to going over the line. Um, I, I served as a combat medic in an infantry battalion, so I was, I was, I was pretty familiar medical-wise. Um, I did. I had a pretty good career in the 82nd, I, something I was very proud of. Um, I, I attempted uh, selection for Special Forces two times. And that, that was my goal. And after the second time, my, my, my body at 23 years old, my body just, it just said, basically said no. And when I got out, I had no idea what was wrong with me. And I ended up meeting somebody and the guy literally took one look at me and he said, you have this, 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 and this. And I'm like, wow. oh, yeah. And he got me, he got me hooked up with the right people. 
and got me sent on the, you know, down on the road. I mean, with, with the right people as far as the VA, I guess. But, wow. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a long struggle. What state are you in, Wade? I'm in Iowa. You're in Iowa? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you couldn't answer me that earlier when I asked you, Kevin. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not being fair. Maybe that. Maybe I didn't ask that. You question. didn't ask so, me that. I would have okay. told you where he was. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember. You said he had been on, but okay. So Iowa boy. Okay. So I think. I think you said you're down in the Iowa City, Cedar Rapids area. I'm waiting on that. Correct. Okay. All right. And see, what's good about having you two gentlemen on, you two gentlemen on, from Iowa compared to Texas is Iowa has, to, to me, if not the best VA for care. They seem to care more about their veterans than any other state. Uh, Texas is a close second, I, I think. Sarah, I know you played hell with, with the VA and along with yeah. everybody else out there. But I think running with, with what we're doing tonight is going to be beneficial for a lot. Is because a lot of people don't know how to go about filing a claim. They don't know what to file the claim on. And, and that's where I, I want to start the conversation. So when you start having multi-symptoms of, of chronic pain or in, any of that stuff, who's the first person, Sarah, would you go talk to? Well, definitely talk to your VA primary care provider. And explain to them, you know, I go, now I go informed myself with a binder full of my latest lab work, uh, my latest diagnoses, which you can um, pull off of your problem list on your um, e-file. If you, as a very valuable tool, I highly suggest if you are not part of your e-filing system, uh, please do so get on top of that because you can pull off anything from doctor's notes to your latest lab work to your problem list from several years ago, if it's on the file, of course. So uh, first of all, you know, go to your primary care provi provider, go informed with all your valuable information and just have an, uh, uh, a positive attitude going into that meeting, knowing that they might not have an open mind at first, um, but they are going to eventually listen to you and if they don't it's always possible to get another primary care provider and if they if they don't listen to you you can always go over their head go to the patient advocate to inform them of what they are not doing for you and you can go straight to your environmental coordinator each va system has an environmental coordinator and they are supposed to have all the knowledge of go for illness or chronic multi-symptom illness available um, in your area. So those are the, that's the starting point I would suggest for anyone that has chronic multi-symptom illness uh, symptoms or already diagnosed. Yeah, I, I like that answer. Well, I think you definitely have to be your own best self-advocate for 100% for sure. Absolutely. So, now, Wade, how long did it take you to get service connected on stuff? Um, I finally, after 30 years, I finally made it past uh, 100%. Um, some of that, probably 50% of that is due to physical, uh, cervical spine. Um, I, I, I played Adam and I give up a rib for a surgery 
I don't know what they call a rib resection. So I, I did have other ailments like that. They, they did come through. I, I finally found one doctor in the comp and pen system that was actually familiar with uh, the Gulf War. He actually was on board with it. He, he wrote me a, a great, great exam notes. Um, and then the VA actually fired him. Wow. Jeez, salute. Go figure. Yep. Wow. But it, 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 I started in uh, February of 95. And just in, in 2019 is when I, I, I passed 100%. But I will say, this, I just want to throw this out there. <clears throat> I was helping a, a buddy of mine from the Navy. Um, in the last few years, his health has drastically declined. And, and we filed his first claim. I hooked him up with, like in Iowa, every, every county has uh, the, like ours is Lynn County Veterans Affairs. Every county has it. In Iowa, I don't know how other states are, but I, I hooked him up with, with them. Um, we have a phenomenal VSO that, that heads the office over there. She filed his first claim in October. And as of last month, he's already at 80%. Oh, holy crap. No. That, that's, 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 that's crazy fast. Yeah, that is super fast. And he has an undiagnosed brain condition. Um, mm. And he, this, the 80% had nothing to do with the brain condition. And I mean, he'll get 100% and he needs 100%. He had, he had, had no idea about the VA, had no idea about how this whole system worked. Um, basically, he had to be spoon fed the whole process, which is fine. But, you know, I mean, he's he, down the road, he is going to need this. But I was so, so shocked at how fast this system has moved. I, and I think it's because the VA is kind of like the Vietnam veterans and Agent Orange. They're, they're finally starting to recognize and say, you know, hey, you know, th there's obviously something going on. So, yeah, <clears throat> I, I know when I went to uh, when I went to Des Moines and uh, I explained to the gentleman, I had no idea at the time he was uh, close to retirement, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and, and like Kevin has said, as you know, Wade, we, I, I really don't have any negativity to say about my experience. I mean, I've had a few hiccups via phone calls, but I've never once had any in-person problems. I, uh, you know, and every state's a little bit different as we've discussed. Now, Sarah, are you out of Texas or what part of this country are you in? Well, I'm currently in Washington State, and I've uh, been through the VA systems in both Michigan and uh, Texas as well. Okay. All right. And, and as we all know, it varies across the state, which is unfortunate, but it, it's our world that we got to deal with. And like I said earlier, be, you know, you really, <clears throat> once you're able to put the two and two together, now you folks, I think, I, including you, Kevin, uh, you... you this, what has happened to you came on, or you recognized it earlier. Is that a fair statement? Early yeah. in life? Yeah, about three months uh, after yeah. deployment. See, in my mind, I knew something was there, but to be in all, all fairness, it wasn't until I, I worked with, in a veteran's home that I put two and two together because I'm talking to some fellow vets and like, John, uh, you think, I think you need to have this checked out. Up until that time, and, and it's like, it's information like what we're providing 
you don't know what you don't know. You're not understanding what's going on. And hopefully the people, somebody catches wind of our conversations and, uh, you know, they, they can realize that it's, it's not in your head. It's not just in your body. There's something going on they can't explain for a reason, you know. <clears throat> and well, like Sarah was saying, the vaccine, which I, I can't, I, I can't pinpoint is that necessarily being a problem. I'm sure it maybe is, but you know, my everybody's situation is different. So that's that's the key right there. Everybody's situation is completely different. I mean, some of us got bad batches of you know the anthrax. We all know the P tabs weren't worth a shit. And I mean, but mixture with that, with the chemicals and everything else that we, you know, had to endure while we were out there. But I'll tell you the one thing I find interesting in in Texas, the VA system in Texas is great when you go to hospitals. The hard part is trying to get approved and what they'll write down and what they won't write down. Mm. That's the biggest problem I know in my state is you go to the doctor and they'll tell you flat out, oh, you're going to go for Yeah. Well, this, this, and this. Well, okay, I want you to write that down. I can't. And that's a shame. They should be able to. I, I, I would have to say that on my doctor, I must have been one of her first Gulf War veterans because she she's pretty easy to talk to and she admitted that she really wasn't familiar with it and but here again back to a conversation we had other podcasts is I don't blame her for not knowing hell you know I, I I'm I'm sure I'm at least 15 uh if not 20 years older than her you know the doctors don't know they're not trained to understand what those of us who've been in these situations and what we're exposed to or the, all the shots, they might recognize the shots, but to, to Sarah's point, you were given this and given this and your body just goes nuts. And unless they're seeing one of us who has something like what's happened to Sarah, they don't know. They're learning. Well, let, let, let me ask this question. Any of y'all experiencing tremors? Yes. <clears throat> yes. A little bit. What did they prescribe you for? I got nothing. I'm, I'm supposed to go see a specialist. I have a, what they call a lock hand, some kind of spasms um, on a random. And I've. We lost your, we lost your audio feed, Wade. Hey, Wade, your audio crashed. Well, I mean, he had, until we get Wade back, um, now when I said a little bit, mine's so minuscule at this point, I haven't really addressed it because um, it, it's very itty-bitty. So I, I'm not going to get excited about it because is that related? I don't know. Um, so I don't. That's just my experience. Well, they, di- they diagnosed me with tremors. They put me on Promodone. Have you tried that, Sarah? Uh, no, I have not because of the nature of my case. I'm allergic to a lot of pharmaceutical interventions. Oh, okay. So I refuse to do any type of trial and error type of interventions for my health care. 
I, we are pinpointing finding the cause, and then we'll go with other therapies directed after that. Right now, I'm using cannabis to control the, the symptoms and to you know assist with the, all the other symptoms that we have as chronic, chronic multi-symptom illness patients. Right. I, is I that help, Sarah? What was that? Is that, is the cannabis, does that seem to help you? Absolutely. As I was stating, because I'm allergic to every pharmaceutical intervention that I tried in the past, I use cannabis, uh, number one, for chronic pain, obviously, and number two, to control my symptoms, both in the brain and throughout the body. Now, when we talk about THC, our endocannabinoid system has THC receptors in the brain, and those THC receptors mimic our dopamine uh, neurotransmitters. And so I have a hypothesis about that, but until I have more information, I don't want to go further into that. But from what I know is that the THC helps me because I lack the ability to um, produce that dopamine. Mm -hmm. Now, from what we have known from the National Institute of Health research that they've conducted, they have found anthrax in the brains of both war illness patients. So that, that, that tells you right there that there is, excuse me, there is damage occurring as a result of the anthrax vaccine. And we don't know if that is because of certain people that have different blood types, why it's only affecting some in some ways. But in my case, I didn't deploy to the Gulf. I didn't go to Iraq or Afghanistan, but I did receive the vaccinations to go, you know, uh, to become re uh, deployable, you know, med, med uh, why uh, words right. brain damage am i right so but i did go to thailand and to korea so you have to get certain vaccinations and then when i was in the military i was in from 97 until 2008 or excuse me 98 into 2008 and they started the anthrax vaccine immunization program in 97 making 100 percent of all service members get the anthrax vaccine and i was part of that program and so I received a lot of vaccines. And so until we have this medical research, we won't know exactly what is causing it in my body uh, as opposed to those that did go to the Gulf. But that is a huge uh, difference in that data is why it's so critical with that medical research is so that we can pinpoint just what is causing uh, what on each volume of individuals. Like myself, I didn't go to, I didn't deploy and others did, but we still have a lot of the same mirrored symptoms, the same diagnoses. And what is important, and I think John and Wade both touched on this, is having that support circle for healing. And that's what I'm hoping to get through this group. And because we are chronic multi-symptom multi illness patients, and we're really the only ones that understand what we're going through. So I think this is a great group and I'm hoping that others can and see the benefit in as well. Yeah, I do yeah. too. I do yeah, too. absolutely. So I got to ask Sarah, cause I've done a little bit of research uh, here, here in the state of Iowa, um, cannabis is illegal, but that being said, that doesn't mean I can't do research on it, you know, and, and down the road, if it's made legalized uh, and the federal government acknowledges it. Uh, as I was reading, um, when I go down, evidently there's a lot of different strains to cannabis and so on and so forth. What and, and I didn't understand, you know, the THCP, the THCO, blah, blah, blah. Is there a particular strain that helps you with what you got going on? Well, when it comes to strains, there are so many 
different types. So with any type of plant, you're going to have all different types of species, and they all produce a different type of outcome. So when you go to the dispensary, just like any other pharmacy, you want to know what you're going to ingest. So you need to know what um, what you're going what you're dealing with. So if you have anxiety or PTSD, you're going to probably want to go for more of a CBD strain something that's higher with CBD and less THC to draw down that anxiety and to help with other symptoms that THC um, might not help you with. Now, THC does help with PTSD because of the way that it um, affects the brain and it goes back to that dopamine response. Um, but CBD is critical for individuals that um, have anxiety, um, or excuse me, CBD is critical yeah, for people that have anxiety and chronic pain, um, issues with digestion. Um, PTSD also puts you in that fight or, uh, fight or flight response. So for myself, I don't have PTSD, but I have autonomic neuropathy. So my body is always at that fight or, uh, fight or flight response. And what that does is your body is putting a lot of cortisol. It's putting all these different types of hormones and um, neurotransmitters making your body have a different response than the normal able body. And the PTSD has that same type of response. And so, of course, individuals that went to the Gulf are going to have that type of response in the body. And that's why THC might help them as well. Okay, fair enough. I appreciate it. So one of the other things I looked up, uh, I, had a, I had a friend say, um, because when they advertise, if, you, if you're looking at places just for informational uh, reference points, they, they will say indica and sativa. Now you can educate me. Is that a strain? Because I heard that indica is some more like it's going to be a calming effect or no, I'm sorry. Sativa is going to get you that head high and indica is more like somebody's in pain. Is that a fair statement? It used to be a fair statement, but now it's really about percentages because okay. not every sativa is going to have a high THC count and not every um, indica is going to have a high CBD count. So when you go into the dispensary, make sure that you, if you're going more for uh, depression or things of that nature, try to get a higher THC count. Or if you're going something for more um, chronic pain, get a higher CBD count. Fair enough. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I had no idea. I, just, uh, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I've been a cannabis patient since 2008, and there's a lot of uh, amazing research out there that, um, that I've just kind of been... Uh, trial and error as a patient for so long, but sure. there's a lot of research to back up that data as well. Good. Well, I'll tell well, you, good. go ahead. No, I, I, I was just, I was just, yeah. you know, saying that's good. I, so. I'll tell you what I find interesting is whenever the doctor's like, look, we got this new medicine, Primadone. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. And they, we're going to start you on a low dose. And I couldn't, you know, it was like the next day, Somebody posted on one of the Gulf War Illness pages saying, man, this is a miracle drug. Uh, the, his shake stopped. He's, his head got clearer. And so I was like, all right, well, hell, I'm about to start this stuff. So I tried it. I'm on a low, low dose compared to what he is. But I could see the changes. I mean, they need to up my dose because I still my head still shakes and everything. But I could tell you, I like, I, I don't have brain fog anymore. Really? That's the one thing I was like, so shocked about 
is so like, say again what what's I'm sorry to uh, interrupt Kendall. Promodon. Spell it. P R I D O I think N E no M E Promodon. Thank but you. I can it, it's it's new and we we looked it up it's for people with seizures and you know stuff like that. I can tell you right now I'll never have a damn seizure. All the seizure medications they got me on for my neuropathy. If I have a seizure, don't take none of the crap I'm taking. <laughs> I mean, that's just one thing about it. <laughs> How about you, Wade? You, are, you, are you on? I'm not asking particular. I'm, I'm assuming because most of us are on some sort of medication. For oh, various. yeah. I got six a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but I'm a, the one thing I was going to mention because we were talking about vets trying to help vets. Um, one thing that I personally encountered is um, we all have a mutual friend and when you're trying to help other vets, you can't beat yourself. You know, it's like hitting your head on the brick wall. You can't help the masses. You can, you can only help the ones that one that want to be helped is what I found. And even the ones that want to be helped still like my buddy, they, they want to be spoon fed. That's you true. know, so, I mean, you, you can't help everybody. And there's, there's, there's studies out there. We, you, you talked to Roz camp here a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to go back down there next month. I'm not doing the studies. You know, I, I hear, I see a lot of things, a lot of backlash on the Gulf sites. I'm not doing the studies for myself. I'm doing the studies for me, for me personally, it's for my daughter for down the road. You know, it's for our kids, you know, and these veterans are, well, how much do I get paid? What, what difference does it make now? You know, to me, I guess that's, that's kind of a selfish thing. You know, I'm going to go down. I'm going to do it, what they want. I'm going to try what they have and see what happens. But there's other studies out there, you know, and when there's resources out there trying to help. It, and then the, those same resources are just getting bashed. That just, that, that's not, that's not a good, that's not a good look. You no, know, not, I, that's a great statement. I mean, it's true. I mean, we got people working for us on our side that get beat up every day. Yes. Over it. And it, it, it's a shame. And I mean, we're, we're all in the same group. We're, it's a full-time job and they're not getting paid for it. And all they're trying to do is help. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's really great the way, you know, as far as you made the statement, doing it for your kids. And I hadn't looked at it in that perspective, uh, you know, the study, because, you know, I, I don't like, not that any of us like the guinea pig, but for our kids, most any of us are going to do anything we can for our kids, you know, um, unless they're just standing there with a handout and, and you're like, <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be a mom or dad saying, go to your damn job or something. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. Older, right, right. But, but, but I mean, I mean, the bottom line is down the road because I'm, I'm certain, especially my daughter, my son was, you know, my wife was pregnant uh, with my son before I left for the golf with my daughter. Do I think that she has some things uh, that possibly are from uh, me being deployed? Yeah. I can't prove that, but to your point, uh, Wade, I think that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. It's not for yourself, but, not only for other vets, but for your children, you know, yeah. being tested. So well, I, I, I've been to Roscan before and uh, my daughter went with me 
And they had an awesome coordinator down there. His name was David. I don't think he's no longer there. Um, but he had a conversation with my daughter. And the, the things that are wrong with my daughter mimic the exact same things that were wrong with one of his daughters. Huh. And so, I mean, yeah, my, my daughter has some issues, health issues. And at 19 years old, these are things that she should not have wrong. And so to go and try to do this, you know, I'm 52. I, I've, I've had a great life. I'm, I'm going to ride it out. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride it out as long as I can. But, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to find out things for down the road. Fair so, enough. I like that. Yeah. And on top of that, I'm glad you said that because me and Wade have talked about this personally. Our daughters have pretty much been, seems like they got the same stuff. Right. But what I find weird is I have I have a boy, nothing. It seems like it's the girls. Well, just to chime in here, I just wanted to uh, reiterate that a lot of veterans, like Wade was saying, they're we're tired, and a lot of them have just given up because, especially those from Desert Storm era. It's been a long time. And because of funding and other restraints, it has taken this long just to get this far. And we still have a long ways to go. And so unfortunately, we will continue, have to continue to do this research and more and more research now that we have burn pits. I mean, fortunately, not unfortunately, obviously, because that's gonna give more data to, for more uh, presumptive illnesses and not just help our generation and the next generation of Gulf War, I mean, we're gonna be at war for a long time. And as we're seeing, this pattern is not just affecting those at, at war. So it's critical that we continue the research, not just the research of those from Desert Storm and not in addition to the burn pits from the current war, but also addition to this research of the vaccine injury. And I understand that with each day, each research comes more funding need, but that will give us that critical information of what is affecting those that didn't deploy and what is affecting those that did. And for my family, when I started to talk to my daughters who are now 21 and 18 and have started families of their own, I'm a grandmother of uh, three grandsons now, um, we don't like to talk about it because I'm going through a lot. And yeah. it would be devastating for them to have to go through the same in their future. So I, we try to focus on what we can do to change the future. And that's what we're doing right here, right now, is talking about doing the research, coming together as veterans, and making change happen for all toxic exposures. Yeah. You tried to yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, absolutely right, Sarah. I mean... Um, not talking about it when you're around, you know, just trying to enjoy your family is one thing. But as far as those of us who know that we can, uh, silence is acceptance and silence isn't going to resolve anything. So there has to be communication and those of us who can help, you know, should help. So I, I yeah, hundred percent. Yes. So I think for just to reiterate and to clarify when I was speaking to, um, not talking to my daughters about it is just about our health wise, like what they possibly sure. could have been, you know, genetically uh, disposed to as a result of my exposure. 
and pa what I pass possibly pass on to them because we are seeing mere symptoms and those uh, same diagnoses of that pattern of behavior that my chronic illness seems to be going towards. So, but yeah, absolutely, John. I I'm, I got you. We're, <laughs> we're tracking. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know one. I, I don't know how long me and Wade, we talked about it, but it was like uh, our daughters seemed like they were uh, having the exact same problem around the exact same age and around the exact same time. It was just the damnedest thing. It was like, okay, so how do we prevent it? How do we prevent our kids to go through what we went through? Well, and then you have to talk to their, you know, dealing with VA doctors, obviously for us, we know it's, it's hard enough. But then to go with them to a civilian doctor and try to explain it to them, and my daughter is going to be 19 this month. And while, you know, a couple, two, three months ago, she already had a colonoscopy and an endoscope. I mean, 18 years old. I mean, that's, and now they referred her down to the University of Iowa to try to figure it out. I mean, you know, this is, how do you try to explain it to a civilian doctor? And then, then you, you do, and you revert back to the 90s. And they say it's all in your head. Like, you know, where's this quack coming from? You know? Well, I can, t I can tell you this way. When you go down, and I'm sure you've been down to the U of I many times as far as gastroenterologists. I, and I can't tell you the gentleman's name, but I had the lead, top guy, gastroenterologist, look at me. Granted, I'm 57 years old. And my son, who was just almost an RN at that point, was giving him suggestions. He says, I don't know. Because I had gone through every doggone test they had. So I'd be... You know, not that, not that I'm asking, I just, I wish your daughter well, and hopefully, you know, if there's an issue to be found, it can be found, but, you know, that's, oh, that's it. You know, I, I got a great gastro for, through the VA, and she, she actually works at the VA. Most of my docs are uh, University of Iowa docs, which yeah. I love, and you don't get any better in the University of Iowa, but, you know, I mean, this, my gastro doc, she's actually a university doc, or a VA doc. And okay. she's like, um, what I can end up with, uh, IBS complex, which either means you shit yourself, or you don't shit for days. <laughs> um, GERD, Barrett syndrome, which is some kind of precancerous something or other. And I forget what the other thing was. So, you know, there's, there's some days I can't eat. I wake up in the morning, go out, I have a bite or two of something. And I'll, I'll know if I'm going to be able to eat that day. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's a 50, it's a crapshoot. So I, mean, I have found, um, not to cut you off, Wade, um, but I find when it comes to gastric issues, it's so difficult to determine exactly what's going on because there's so many different levels and there's, it mimics so many other symptoms that are in the abdomen. But when you have chronic multi-symptom illness, I think the key is to have all your data with you when you go in to see that doctor, whether it's VA, civilian, a pediatrician for your, your children, or what have you. And that includes um, having that critical chronic, um, chronic multi-symptom illness piece from the VA. If you go to the VA's public health website, you can print off the document that actually lists what chronic multi-symptom illness is excuse me, is how it um, 
might have what it could have been caused by and all the different toxic exposures and um, everything that included uh, um, how to get in touch with your environmental coordinator, just a plethora of information. So you can take that critical piece of what chronic multi-symptom illness is into your doctor. And like I said, some are open and receptive and some are not. It's really uh, dependent on which doctor you see, which specialist you see. Nowadays, doctors are um, short on time. So you really wanna go in there knowing what you're gonna talk about. And um, they might even come back and say, well, that's not my realm of specialty. I don't deal with that. I only deal with hematology. Let's focus on hematology. So then you might wanna open up the conversation to, well, let's look at it at a whole body perspective because the, everything revolves around the nervous system the central nervous system. And if there's something wrong with the nervous system, there's definitely going to be something wrong with the rest of the body. Yeah, I, I think that, so I think having all your ducks in a row and going in with the proper documentation and essentially educating the doctor as to what you think your issues are and give them the ball and let them run with it. And like you said, Sarah, they're either, there's going to be, it's a crapshoot. You know, you know, like Wade, you know, he says he's very happy with the doctors he's got, which is great. But as we all know, because we've all experienced different doctors, they ain't all built the same, different personalities, different perspectives, you know, that's out of my field, blah, blah, blah. So, but yeah, you just definitely want to go in there loaded and educating. So, yeah, I know whenever I, when I did my colonoscopy about a year ago, I mean, I, I went in there and when I got done, they give you your list of, you know, what the hell's wrong with you. And uh, uh, I embarrassed the hell out of my wife. I should apologize to her about that, too. <laughs> Apparently, I played dead being wheeled out from the VA. I was like, what's this? I played dead. I was like, I don't remember that. You know, but and I, she said I got in the car and she said I was screaming to everybody. I got hemorrhoids, you know. <laughs> You know, hey, you, you know, I'm an open book. I like to have fun. But she she was like, she couldn't make any phone calls because I grabbed the phone from her. And I'd be like, guess what I got? But when, when I got my final report back, it, it said that uh, my B12, the lining was burned off. Well, the only thing that can burn off your B12 spores is chemicals. But they're not going to write it down because they can't pinpoint exactly what was it the shots was it it was a multiple of everything but they do put it could be from the conditions of the gulf war wow. out there so that's a good piece i mean that's critical going forward and although i have not been successful in gaining um service connection for my vaccine injury, I have been successful with the VA actually diagnosing me with what they call a vaccine immunoglobulin and anti-sera adverse reaction, which in, as we know as vaccine injury. And wow. on my problem list, it does va uh, list anthrax vaccine. And so it, it, I mean, it doesn't say that it's caused by it, obviously it's in right. so much verbiage but it is on my problem list. And I think it's critical going forward. So that way they, I mean, the VA not to talk negatively because every VA is different, 
but I've had my share of doctors who thought that they could take critical problem uh, diagnoses off my problem list and get away with it. And that's not, that's not okay. No. We can't do this. So yeah, just um, knowing your information, having a, your best advocate, and if you can have your family support is critical. Um, not all of us have those support circles. Not all of us have patient advocates. And unfortunately they are trying to take away our advocates or excuse me, our patient um, uh, brain, you know, that sure. the people that help us to remember things yeah, and, and go with yeah, us to our appointments. Yes, thank yeah. you. So they're trying to take that away because of funding. And so we have so many battles to fight on so many levels and we shouldn't have to do that. But the system has made it that way. Well, you know the old saying, you know, it's not what Uncle Sam can do for you. It's what you can do for him. <laughs> you know, that uh, somehow that crap got reversed in life. But I, I do tell a lot of the guys who are going in, make sure you know what you're getting. You keep a copy of everybody, your medical records. And when you come home, the first thing you do is get you a VSO officer. That's the first damn thing you do and get your appointment set up at the VA. Well, uh, your veteran service officer, because what I found recently is there's a lot of veterans who are now coming out of the woodwork that, like my buddy that was messed up, had no idea what was going on. He had no idea what a VSO was. That's true. You know, yeah, veteran service officer. Um, I prefer the American Legion. That's who did all my claims. He went with the county, Veterans Affairs. We have uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars. Um, even the VA in Iowa City has VSOs down there. Yeah, here in Houston does too at the hospital. So, I mean, there, there's resources for these people. And if they don't know how to get a hold of them, then that's when they should be contacting you or any one of us. Right. Ex ex exactly. Yeah. Now, now, here's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Because y'all think about this. How many people have no idea about spousal benefits? Or how many people have any idea about all your benefits? There's oh. a lot of people that don't have a clue what, what's out there. I don't know if you can read this, but this is that this little booklet is that every VA facility, it's updated every year. And it has every single thing. I've had my buddies like, I don't have internet access. Oh, well, that's okay. Here's a book for you right here. Read it. Yeah. I'm not going to read it for you. You like Sarah was saying, you have to be your own best advocate. And, yeah. And, and uh, Sarah brought up your problems list. That's your best resource. But let me tell y'all dilemma I have, or I had, I don't have it anymore because I, I, I learned the solution. My doctor, my primary in the very beginning would never put any, um, uh, anything down on my problems list. Even though it was in my notes, when I go to file something, it wouldn't be in my problems list. I got denied. So I asked her and she said, look, I'm not putting it in there because you're going to claim. I was like, well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> and so what I did is I went down to our congressman. I went in there, had a nice long chat with him. Next thing I know is my problems list was completely filled. So everybody needs to check 
and I mean, I'll be like, oh, hey, look, you, you know, I, I don't need a CPAP machine. I don't have a sleep apnea, but I have a sleep disorder. Okay, well, what the hell name is the sleep disorder I have? Well, it's this. Well, it's not my problems list. Well, it is now. Uh-huh. So you got to get it marked in there because they're not going to do it for you. They're not going to do it for you. Another critical book to have on file is the CFR. The CFR 38, I believe it is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it tells you exactly which uh, uh, medical, um, how they do their their point system and um, how uh, they go about rating you for each medical diagnosis. And so that's a critical piece as well as your problem list. When you go in to talk to a VSO or you attempt to do it yourself, I would highly disregard using a lawyer. Unless you have a very um, complicated case like myself, I would not seek a lawyer because they obviously are gonna want dividends for their hard work, which they you could do yourself or you could go through a VSO for um, no payment out of your pocket and just a little bit of extra work. So um, and- you utilize the services that are available to you because they're the ones that are getting the government funding to do so. And here's yeah, the, I, go ahead, Kevin. Okay, here's the crazy thing about that too. Not only a VSO officer, you can use DAV, you can use you know American Legion, VFW. Everybody has a, a group. They got a group they can go to. But one thing about it, you can file your own claim, but it's going to get denied because you're going to mess up one piece of paperwork, <laughs> that damnedest thing. Yeah, you know and. That's, so, wh- that's why you need somebody knows what they're doing. Absolutely. So, so like, like we've talked, all of our situations are a little different. Um, mine, as I've mentioned before, was a very slow burn. And I, I didn't understand and slowly put two and two together. I'd been beating my head on, you know, on the counter for, for years at that point. Now, I really wasn't aware of the BSOs and everything that was available to me. So, um, and what I... Would I suggest somebody doing what like I did? But I did mine after quite a bit of my own uh, self-advocating, just uh, not, and just kind of spinning my wheels. Now, in my case, I did use a lawyer, and I have zero regrets. But it was an immediate thing. So, to each their own on how they choose to go about doing things. I would definitely use what's what we have that does. There's no cost involved. But me, to me, it was like I, I I had been down the road earlier and it was like 10 years later and things were happening again. I'm like, OK, now, no, no, stop. Pump the brakes. Same thing's happening. And I didn't get nowhere in the first place. So in my case, I, I pulled the trigger on, 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 the, on the attorney. Zero regrets. Happened to be out of city. I, I, I was sitting and it worked for me. But here again, I'm. Teach their own DSOs. Use what's at your disposal of no charge by all means. But you well, know. I agree with you. But the one thing about it is, like these guys that you know they file, and then they get denied. They appeal it. They get denied. It goes up in front of the judge. Well, I'm telling you right now. By then, you need to have an attorney. Yeah, you got to have help. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is a little off subject, but it still pertains to those with disabilities. Really, regardless who you, who you are, and even we were talking about our kids earlier, which it might play a part, um, off relation to the military per se, and, I, and I've utilized it, um, insurance 
disability insurance, when you're buying a vehicle and they ask you, well, do you want disability insurance? And you're thinking, well, I don't want an extra $5 a month, which is minuscule if indeed you find yourself, I can't work anymore. If you don't already have it, I think you can tack it onto your claim. And if you get to the point where you can't work anymore, yes, it's insurance. They're going to fight you tooth and nail, depending on the insurance company. But guess what? I have a vehicle the disability insurance is paying on because of my inability to work. So this is kind of unrelated, but yet it's not. It's still related because yeah. you're disabled, you know? It's uh, my, my, my brother would be the, <laughs> my brother would, would tell you, and he was in the industry. I'm not going to say where he worked. I don't want to badmouth the very company that did him, you know, did, did things well, but he would say, what, what term did he say? Um, and I'm going to screw this up probably. Uh, oh, crap. I can't think of the terminology I want to use, but um, insurance isn't easy. It's easy to pay for, but then when you try and get back what you want, hey, wait a second, I paid into this. Yeah. Good luck. You know, we want everything in your next born. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> so I've given my firstborn. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a Damn. Joke. You're gonna you know, the other thing, uh, yes, yeah. Sarah might know more about this than I, I do now. Um, uh, then, uh, what's his name, Anthony Hardy? He, he's a real advocate too. But back in the day, the, the DBQs for each individual uh, ailment, if you will, was on the VA website. They were for a time, they were going to take them off the website, then there was like something that and they put them back on the website and i haven't checked the va website i haven't had a need to but your dbqs your disability questionnaires oh okay um i had i actually had somebody recommended go ahead and fill, go ahead and fill those out before a disability claim and take those with you to your your comp and pen i did oh, that that's a good idea but it wasn't my idea and when i walked in and Fortunately, I had a really, this was the, the, the one way cool doc I had. And I came in and because they're going to fill out the same form. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. I have them already filled out for you right here. And he just kind of ah. laughed. And he's like, oh, well, what should we do? Go down to Buffalo Wild Wings and have some beer and wings? <laughs> don't get me. That's what I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, this guy was great, right? And, you know, and I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, but, uh, but if if you can go through your DBQs for if you know you're going in for let's just say sleep apnea that's just one I'm familiar with sleep apnea you can go through and you can actually look at the form and you can see the questions that they're going to ask you the biggest one is do you have, do you have a diagnosis of sleep apnea yes do you have a CPAP yes okay then you should you should you know that should be an automatic it's not but you know. But yeah, that's, you know, that, that's just one. But there's there's DBQs for just about every damn ailment that you can you can claim for. And I and again, I don't know if they're still on the VA website. I haven't even checked. So now just, see, I, 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 I'm glad you said that because I'm about to appeal my last decision. So whenever I file for the uh, tremors, it's not written in their essential tremors. It's head tremors moderate head tremors and moderate left and right tremors uh, of the extremities. So I'm like, okay. 
Well, I go in there and they do the stupid test thing that they do. And she's like, man, your, your century is like five for five. I was like, yeah. And, um, she was like, well, what makes you think this is caused by the Gulf War? And I told her, I said, well, I said, if it's not, it's caused by century polyneuropathy. I said, because that's what I'm diagnosed with. And there's a thing called century poly, uh, uh, neuropathy tremors that come later on. So I'm explaining it to her. I'm going through everything. She puts down there. Now I don't believe the essential tremors, but what's funny is they took a secondary person to come in that they sent it to a secondary put in saying, yes, but we're going to connect you at 0%. You're connected. You're at 0% because you have a light case of it. That's not what the hell my paperwork says. My paperwork says moderate. I know the difference between a moderate and a light. So it's amazing how they use that terminology. So I'm just waiting to go back in, see my neurologist and go, let's sit down and have a conversation. And try to get them to say, okay, is it from the neuropathy or is it not? What caused it? Is it a moderate case or is it a light case? I mean, I want them to put specific answers in. Well, absolutely. And you can go in and you can go to your, and find your DBQ for that. And you can go ahead and fill it out yourself on, on how you feel and take that to your doctor. I did not know hey. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. I, mean, I, I didn't know it either. I did it. I know that the first time it worked, the second time I did it, uh, the doctor I had, she was not very appreciative that I went ahead and took my initiative. <laughs> she was, she was not happy about the whole situation. And long story short, I actually went as far as because these, uh, if, if you're going for a comp and pen for go for illness, your comp and pen examiner has to have gone through the go for illness, your little correspondence or online certification. And it's a three section series, three series thing. And they get a little certificate that says, yeah, I know about Gulf War illness. Well, she did not have that in her office. I asked her about it and she declined to answer. <laughs> I said, have you been to the Gulf War illness examination certification? And she didn't answer. So I asked her, she said she didn't want to respond. I asked the receptionist at the counter, she didn't want to respond. I sent a letter to the coordinator for comp and pen and i got a thing back that said that i had to file a freedom of information act request no, so i sure as shit i yeah. went ahead and filed it and i got and i got something back that basically said it's none of your damn business and i'm like seriously I <laughs> but if you're being examined by a comp and pen for go for illness issues they have got to be certified that they've been through these classes. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Well, well here's, here's my question. When y'all file, like the essential tremors, like I, I called and I talked to my uh, veteran service officer and I said, you know, hey, I want to file this. And she goes, well, what do you want me to file under? I said, neurological. And she's like, all right. And I said, is this under the Gulf War? She said, everything you file is under the Gulf War. Absolutely. And I said, oh, uh, why? And she said, because back in 95, they did a Gulf War exam on you. 
So everything that you're approved for, it's under the goal four. And I can tell you, that lady that I did the exam was not certified in the goal four. Because she was like, well, what what part of the war? I said, desert show, desert storm, the Gulf War, you know, the oil rigs on fire, you know, all the shots. And the most toxic battlefield in, in history. Right. Now, Sarah, how I, I'm just really curious because I know there's people that are on here now that are, are talking about the vaccine injuries. How is it you have it in writing, but they don't approve it? Well, it all comes back to um, service connection and having that CFR code. And even though the VA came up with the diagnosis and they have the research to back their claim, they have no CFR code. And so that comes back to our push in Operation Truth is not only are we trying to achieve research, but we're also trying to achieve much like uh, the current Go For Illness Research Advisory Committee, an additional research advisory committee for these additional toxic exposures um, so that we can determine, you know, what's going on with the vaccine exposures. And uh, um, back to the DBQ, it's critical to have that evidence. Any, uh, um, uh, any appointment that you go to is bringing that evidence with you. But at times it can have that negative impact. Not only that, uh, what Wade was seeing with that individual that didn't have any certification training, but at times, and I believe it has a lot to do with uh, women veterans, we aren't believed. And that uh, a lot of times makes it seem like we have done our research because we're trying to steer the CMP exam to be in our favor. And so they, it can have a negative impact if you do bring in that evidence. But it all comes back to who you're seeing, are they open-minded, your approach. Um, it's all critical and having that effective communication with that, um, that doctor or that evaluator. Well, you definitely don't seem the type to put up with anybody's bull crap. They do <laughs> no. I mean, I'm just trying to stop me. I'm just you saying. I mean, if I was doing your CPSM, I'd be like, yeah, I ain't messing with her. Hell no. Mm, no. Mm. <laughs> and, mm. and when you're going into these CMP exams, if you've never been to an exam, CMP exam, and you don't, until you've actually gone through it, and, and here again, it depends on the person asking the questions, but understand that you're under the microscope, you're not there to be their best friend, or let's talk about old times, and things are great at the moment. Uh -uh. No, 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 no. You stick to the facts, you know, and, 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 and go with it. And you really, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be an asshole, <laughs> but you, 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 you want to be tactful, mindful to the point and not venture off. Well, you know, well, a guy, I know really good buddy of mine, he goes in for his CP, he fell. He said he was airborne, but he was going over side and he fell 30 foot broke his, his ankle. Well, both of his hips went bad and had to have hip replacement. I was like, go down file. No, he doesn't hire anybody. What he does is he fills it out himself, goes in and gets denied. The judge, luckily he had one hell of a judge because that judge says, before it comes into my office, you bring him back and I want another exam done on him. So this time when he goes in, so I said, okay, you got a judge on your side. I said, 
go in with your cane like you're supposed to. He he has a cane yep. and a walker. <laughs> he walks in there the first time, no cane, no walker. I'd be oh, like, boy. son of a bitch is lying yep. too. Ah. I was like, I mean, I'm sorry. Yep. You just had both your hips replaced. You're supposed to be on a walker. You were walking. I'm a bad, bad I'm a big, bad man. Yeah, no. <laughs> that comes back to uh, you know disabled veterans we're a different breed of chronic illness we don't show how ill we really are we don't show how injured we really are uh, i mean that, through that, the values that we've collected through our military service we learn to push through it and to adapt and overcome but like you were saying kevin that is not the time when you go into your appointment it is time to show who uh, you know what, what the damage is, so that you can get that critical you know, therapies and uh, adequate healthcare. That's the reason why you're there. Right, exactly. And I mean, I well, I walk in. The first thing they say is, "Hi, I'm Doctor So and So. How's your day going?" I said, "Just depends what hour it is." That's all I said. Yeah. Right. Good answer. Good you know, answer. <laughs> I, I've learned not to say, "Oh, I'm having a great day." Yeah. Well, shit, I just failed. And then, you know, <laughs> I just like it just depends what hour it is. I sit down. I give them the thing. I walk out. I'm done. I mean, I I don't small talk. No, thank you. I mean, you, you already put me in these stupid looking shorts, you know, that don't even fit my little ass. And you're over there like, oh, yeah, this, this and this. And then why I, you always got to start talking about you? How you <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I, I get so frustrated because 90 percent of the time they don't even evaluate you. They ask you questions. They sit on a typewriter that yep. they use one damn finger for, and they start. <laughs> they're, they're like, "Have you filed on this?" I was like, "Yes, I filed that six months ago." Oh, I hope you got approved for it because you definitely would qualify for this. Well, you're the one who did it and denied me. I have it on recording. <laughs> so I had a. A hypothesis, hypothesis that the reason why I wasn't getting physically evaluated at the VA was because I was a, a woman veteran and that you have to bring in another individual in order to do a physical evaluation. What? So is it pretty much across the board? Do they just not have enough time to do that physical evaluation? It's just You got denied because you're a female? I just, that was my hypothesis because Every time I seem to go in and be like, okay, can you take a look at my spine or can you palpate the areas where I'm feeling the hardened lip nodes or can you do a breast exam? You know, any of these things, anytime um, when you have a male doctor, you have to have a female present. And so that was just my theory, you know, like maybe uh, that's why they don't want to do it. No, nah, that's not it. It's kind of like So you guys aren't getting evaluated either. No, no. It seems probably a time restraint then. No, well, I'm in there three minutes. I'm out the door. And then whenever they send me the thing, they tell me how high my blood pressure was, my temperature. I'm like, they didn't do any of that. I noticed yeah. it in the civilian sector as well, because I'm because fortunately I have SSDI. So I go through Medicare as well. So whatever the VA doesn't cover, I, I can go through Medicare depending on what it is, but they're pretty good. I have a, a pretty good system going on. I've put together my own house form of doctors specialist as a result of being able to use those two different forms. But I'm starting to see a pattern in both in the civilian and the VA sectors. There's just not enough time to evaluate effectively. Okay. Well, that's... that. that I, 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 
ahead, I, just real quick, I, I I like how you brought that up. And, and go ahead, John, because I just now freaking lost my train of thought. Go, well, go ahead. Derek just mentioned SSDI, which which means me that the question, if your spouse is on your insurance, and if it's just Champ VA, okay, and Champ VA we know until you've met your out-of-pocket expense, uh, humor me because I don't know the answer to this question. What, can you get um, uh, other insurance to to make up the difference of what Champ VA is, or or does that make Champ VA the secondary and then they fight you tooth and nail? When it comes to Medicare, it really depends on um, you know what you've been awarded. I don't have a spouse, so when it comes to SSDI, it's really just my income. Um, it come, it's my uh, based on my disabilities. So I don't know if it's based on income um, because yeah. I get you know VA. I get paid at the hundred percent rate, and I'm I get uh, individual unemployability because I'm totally and permanently disabled. So I'm only rated at ninety percent. But um, yeah, so I get SSDI because I'm not able to work, and because I'm not able to work, it gives I, those additional benefits of medical insurances, um, you know, the stuff that comes with Medicare, all those dental care, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not sure if you can subsidize with Champa that way. Um, it would be, I would definitely be a great call if you do have SSDI. I know that SSDI is definitely one of those things that you want to get a lawyer. They are going to, yeah. this, the way the system is uh, set up, you have to fail before you win and you can't win without a lawyer. So I was fortunate and I hired Bender and Bender and they work um, pro bono meaning they didn't get any a dime from me until we won. Okay. Uh, so as far as SSDI, you, you, you do need an insurance, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 attorney or whatever. Huh. Okay. Okay. I, I would, appreciate the information. I, I, I just had no idea. And I know I was commenting about insurance and disability or uh, um, insurance and whatnot. Um, but this is a, kind of a different realm of a disability, but I, I appreciate that. I, I just, I don't know. You know, and I know as I, you know, I try to navigate through some things, as I've probably said before, you don't know what you don't know. And so I know for SSDI, it's based on your level of disability. If you can work, um, you can work and make up to a certain amount during the month. It's not anything that you could live off of, obviously, but, you know, it's something that you can help pay the bills or gas or so it's all based on your disability and at times how much you, you not so much what you make, but for if you wanted your spouse or a, a other additional insurances, it would be definitely based on, you know, what they already have provided to them, like for CHAMPFA and that. Okay. And that's, that's, a, that's another confusion area. A lot of, I've seen on different veteran websites, um, if you're 100%, that's fine. You don't even have to be 100% to file for SSDI. Um, go ahead and file for it. And what, what I've seen in the past is what most attorneys will tell you, go ahead and file it on your own the first time around. 99% says you're, you're gonna be denied. Then you get your attorney to do your appeal because they get paid on your retroactive back pay so they're trying to get the largest chunk, but they can only charge you up to a certain percentage. I, 
Sarah, you can, is it 25% or whatever retro is, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that they tell you to file on your own first. And so by the time the attorney gets into it, you're into it for a year and a half or two years. Mm. But, yeah. but if you're on if you're on VA disability, if, if you're at 100%, yes, you can still collect SSDI. If you're at 80%, you can still collect it. And but I, I I've told veterans go ahead and let your VA stuff shake out first, then file for SSDI. Don't try to have corresponding claims going on like your VA because the SSDI is going to go ahead and look at your VA problems and that's just more in mm. your benefit. Okay. Well, and good. I, I have a, I, in 2015 when Obamacare and all that kicked in, I lost my regular health insurance. I got put on with the VA. Yay. Come on, everybody clap. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so here's the problem I run into. The clinics aren't open on Saturday and Sundays. Houston is. That's way down the damn road, over an hour away from me. Where the hell do you go on the weekends? Like if if it like I had the flu. Hell. Are you talking about like urgent cares? Yeah. Okay. Every urgent care I called did not take anything with the VA. And the ones in the only one that did was closed down Saturday by one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I got sick by seven o'clock at night. You can look on the VA website and it will show you and where, where in your area, your demographic area, where you can go, where, where is VA authorized and you're authorized. Don't, don't quote me. I, I want to say eight quote unquote snivel visits a year. I don't know if you're froze or not. You guys are froze to me. Oh uh, yeah, you're frozen already. So, but uh, like here in Cedar Rapids, there's like five different urgent cares that you can go to. Right. The, well, the one I looked up, that none of them were open. Other urgent cares were, but they weren't under the VA. But you can go to the ER, a local ER. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's there's an 800 number on the back of your VA card. Okay. And either be, before going to that clinic, you want to call that, or your local VA to get authorization. That that's huge. Yes. Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. There's also some VAs that are open on the weekend. I know in Michigan at the, um, what was it called? Uh, well. I data dump that, don't have it anymore. But in Michigan does have some VAs that are open on the weekends as well on Saturdays. So if you're fortunate to be in those VAs, take a look and see, you just might have availability for their ER or um, urgent care. Yes, yeah, like Iowa City's open uh, 24 seven, but if I had a split head, I'm not driving to Iowa City. But yes, they, I've, I've been down there on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, well, what the hell? So I just went and paid cash. I was pissed. So now go to your local ER and just make sure you call that 800 number on the back of your VA card. And just, yeah. That's what you, I didn't even think you're of given, that. You're given two or three. I don't know. You're, aren't you given an X amount of time, Wade, if you go to the ER to, to uh, make sure that your private, that your primary knows that you went to the ER. So that gets covered. I think 48 hours. I think you have to call about 48 hours. 
Yeah, you just don't want to. I think you just don't want to miss that time frame where you're kind of screwing yourself. Yeah. Well, heck, I went to the emergency room. I called. Matter of fact, my primary told me go emergency room. I was having kidney stones. So I do yeah. drive down. Oh my gosh. And I had to fight the VA to pay that damn bill. Had to go back up really? to my congressman. I went up to my congressman and they're telling me it's not a life and death situation. Well, I'm telling you right now, they ain't never peed out a damn kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like stupid. Been there. It ain't fun. Nothing no. like what you told me about, but mm. I was like, come on. Like when I was talking to the guy, he says, well, you couldn't drive to downtown Houston. I was like, I was having a freaking baby. And, yeah. it, it, oh, yeah. And it didn't smile. Uh, <laughs> no. And, yeah. and I remember my wife, when they called the, the ambulance, they got to me and I, and I got all kind of not rude or nothing, but all military minded with them. And I just said, Whatever you have, med medicine wise, shoot me with that shit now because this thing's freaking killing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I tell you what, I think this is going to be a good program for us to do this more often. And I think that, you know, we haven't had really many questions this evening, but we will be able to where people be able to call in and ask and ask questions. And we're good. We need to work on getting a representative, like a VSO or a, a counselor. I mean, I was thinking about if, you, if you're open to it, we talked about it, uh, getting a counselor from the, the vet center. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Which, which I, I talked to my counselor and, they have a they have a specific counselor that does the outreach stuff, and and I don't know if anybody that that was my first stop when I got home was someone pointed me in the direction of it's just called the Vet Center, and veterans can find it on government pages. They can Google it. They're they're nationwide, and they are just full of resources for veterans. You know, even if they just want to go in and have a cup of coffee and shoot the shit, that's you know that that's okay too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Go ahead and contact them, and let's come up with a a, a time, a, a date, I should say. I think. I just have to get a hold of you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell them to get a hold of me because I can get a hold of all of us when every time is a good good time for everybody. And but I like to set this up at least every four to six weeks that we do this, and then that way. But we can also bring in letting people take phone calls and ask questions. And this right here is a preview of, of what's to come. And everybody join forces. But for everybody listening tonight, listening tomorrow, the next day, the next day, next, sign up for the damn burn pit registry and the Gulf War registry, please. I can't emphasize that enough. It's a big deal. We got a lot of institutes out there that are doing studies. Our congressmen need to know about them. We need to be on their asses. So that way we keep the funding coming and everything. But Absolutely. And just to add 
just to add to that real quick, Kevin, uh -huh. if you didn't deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan, you still are included in the Gulf War registry. I went through the Gulf War registry back in 2015 because my primary care provider at the Washington State VA saw that I had chronic multi-symptom illness and was like, how do you have all these symptoms and you didn't go to Iraq or Afghanistan? If you look to the VA public health website, it says specifically you either have to go to Iraq or Afghanistan or they have different terminology or have these symptoms till they just extended the date. And so that critical piece, that says, or it doesn't say, and it doesn't say you have to go to the Gulf and have these issues. You have to go to the Gulf or have these issues by this such and such date. And so that's why those of us that didn't deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan can still be included in the Gulf War registry. In addition to that, the war related injury and illness support center is a critical research center that they've been gathering all this data since the early nineties. And I haven't been able to go, but they've been trying to get me to go. And on in, in my problem list and along my notes, they have said that I've been to the war-related injury illness support center in Palo Alto. There's actual information from Palo Alto that I have never been to in my medical records at the VA. So it is critical that we all are involved in this process because it's going to help us all in the future. All of us, every single one of us. And I mean, even the, to me, even the Vietnam guys, I mean, there's Vietnam guys out there that are still having trouble filing. They're still going through it. Maybe we can help them out along. I mean, Iraqi freedom all the way to Afghanistan in between. I mean, that, that we have a lot of problems, but we're all here for the same common good, each and every veteran. And that's Absolutely. what, that's what we need to, stay focused on. So I will send each and every one of y'all a message and everything about the next time Wade get that set up for us. Yeah. And, you know, I think Wade, Sarah, John, thank y'all so much for joining us. Thank yeah. you for having us, Kevin. It's been great. All yeah. Right. Thanks Sarah Wade for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Great, great information. Good to visit with you. Yeah, thank you, John and Wade. It was great. See you in about four to six weeks. We'll see you in four to six weeks. Y'all take yeah. care. Y'all please go to my website at goforsideeffects.wordpress.com or email me at kevinsimon at goforsideeffects.com and please help support